And now, a Christmas decorating tip for Melania. In the Trump White House, we love symbols of loyalty, darling. Nothing shows loyalty more than giving up your lives and bodies for most exclusive fucking Christmas decoration, darling. My husband supports us. Tiny brains look beautiful, soaking in these beautiful formaldehyde jars, darling. Preserved for future generations for fucking Christmas cheer. So small, so gullible, so delicate. Eleven tiny brains for the eleven days of Christmas, darling. As my husband loves to say, Deutschland über alles, darling. Kind of distant. Okay, how's that? Oh, there, there. <laughs> what were you in the kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> no, that the, the uh, mouthpiece was up high. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had it on upside down. I was wearing it like a fake beard. <laughs> you said you have trouble controlling your nose. Yeah. I hate when that happens. Hey, come back here. Come back here. When you're, when <laughs> Your nose is running. Put that nose on a leash, baby. <laughs> well, especially when you're, you know, if you're a voice actor and you want to do impressions. Really frustrating. I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> I never used to be so allergic. What the hell am I allergic to? I don't even know. Oh my God! I was uh, I was just doing some yard work. Like I don't have a leaf blower, so I hooked up the vacuum cleaner and I was blowing leaves with that, and there was dust everywhere. And I ended up with Andy Kaufman-style snot. Originally, I thought his snot was fake-looking. After this, I realized it actually could be real. I hope you I hope you told the whole story of your encounter with that. I did, but I'm not sure if it's aired yet. So if not, look for it in the 2021 Christmas episode. So the Electoral College voted, and no surprises, Biden is now officially the president-elect. Not that that matters to anyone in the trump -iverse. The only way we'll know anything for sure, I guess, is if someone finally says, the shithead has left the building. <laughs> I'm dying to see how this plays out. I hope not. <laughs> I hope we all might be. <laughs> I should have rephrased that exactly. Yeah. Oh. oh my God. Well, you know, that's what I've been. I, I just had this gut feeling. So, you know, this whole so, time. So it's January twentieth, right? Yeah. And is he going to start packing on the tenth, or the fifteenth, or is he going to say, "My supporters gather to me"? 
<laughs> and let's refuse to give up the office. <laughs> I mean, what's going to happen? Is he going to be dragged out? I, he said he won't, but what I uh, the best scenario. He said I, he won't be dragged out, or he said he won't what? He, he won't yeah, he said he said he said of course I'll leave if the electoral college. You know, sides. Oh yeah, with, okay. Yeah, he actually he actually started looking like a normal human being, but in the meantime, he's plotting shit and trying shit in the background and this WTPC thing you sent me. But the best scenario I've heard that if he can't pull it off is he's gonna skulk away, go off to Mar-a-Lago, maybe a, a few days early. He's gonna have somebody else move their shit, but he'll just go off, pretend it's like a vacation, and you know he'll he'll just skulk away. And then he'll start shouting from his new position. The thing I'm adding to that is that he, somebody's going to back him for this Trump television channel. Unfortunately, I think that's a perfect fit for him because he's such a blowhard. This would be like Twitter on steroids where he gets to be on TV all the time and people could just watch him bloviate. You know, he likes the bloviate. Yeah, the bloviator-in-chief. <laughs> and, you know, Mr. E... The word of the day is bloviate. <laughs> and you know, I was just looking that word up, and you said it first. You, you literally said it first, and it was literally on my page right in front of me. What? And I was just about to say bloviate or bloviation, and you said it first. <laughs> so I just looked that up a couple days ago. <laughs> Supposedly, <laughs> this is on uh, Wikipedia or something. Uh, it started in Ohio. <laughs> the word? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was a a word that's been around forever. I know. So it and it means to like talk endlessly without really saying something or whatever. And it's associated with a certain president, a certain Warren Harding, or somebody that we don't talk about that much. Oh, okay. You know where I got it from was uh, Bill O'Reilly, I think. Well, you know, just the idea that in ancient Rome, in the Senate in ancient Rome, nobody ever did that. Uh -huh. Like, I guess they just never came up with a word for it before. Yep. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, bloviation originated in Ohio. And I'm like, what? <laughs> a certain way of speaking? <laughs> of phrasing your sentences? <laughs> Originated in Ohio. It's it, like it, political speech originated in Ohio. Never uh, happened in ancient Greece or the Roman Senate. It, it, they just have a different word. We just don't know what it is. You know, it's uh, it certainly wasn't <laughs> filibuster, but you know, it, it. Who knows what their ancient word is for that? But it, it's got to be because they must people, have had an ancient word for people it. People yeah. been full of shit forever. <laughs> That's, That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Being full of shit didn't start in Ohio. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it meant to say the word was coined in Ohio, but it's phrased as it started in Ohio. <laughs> oh. Bloviation started in Ohio. Oh, okay. Like, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Want <laughs> to rephrase that? Declaration. <laughs> it all started in Ohio. The first bloviator. Do you want to restate that declaration? Don't make me bloviate. Don't make me get all bleb blevins on your ass. Why don't you go bloviate your nose before it runs away? 
I'm going to blow me out of your face. <laughs> oh, so another another news of the world. I, I, I saw on a scroll today, it was something like Biden is asking Trump nicely to attend the inauguration. <gasps> Say what? As a symbol of unity. Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, no. And, and it made me think of like, like the exorcist, if it was like, you know, nobody ever went up to that demon possessing that little girl and just asked nicely, <laughs> will you leave that little girl alone? I'm not going to say power of Christ compels you. I'm going to say power of Christ asks you nicely. May, or maybe we can compromise, demon. Maybe you can just possess her halfway. Maybe, maybe you just possess her to get some tattoos and listen to the death rock. <laughs> I'm asking you nicely, demon. <laughs> Will you stop possessing that little girl? Maybe over tea? <laughs> or some coffee? Would you like some coffee? <laughs> if that's all Biden's going to do is ask nicely, I mean, you know. He's, well, not, he's asking, he's, at, he's saying, um, when, I, when I come in, when I start my term, I'm asking nicely also to like all Americans to wear a mask for a hundred days, but, but you know, that's fucking how well bullshit. is that going to go? How well is that going to go with the people who hate him or who are Trump supporters? They're not going to listen. Oh yeah. No, no, no. You, it's got to be a wall. Make the Sturgis bikers put a mask on. <laughs> yeah. Good you know? luck. Good luck with that. I'm so shit. I'm so fucking sick of this asking nicely shit. I'm so fucking sick of it. Like, I knew you were gonna start on that. Get some balls, man. You're That's the why I brought the topic up. Damn it. I knew what I was gonna we, get you started with that. What do we pay these but fuckers? It was bothering for? me too. I know. God damn it. What do we pay them for? You know, do something, you dumbass. You know, you've got control of the largest military on the planet. So what? You're, you're cracking down on, on our rights left and right, and yet when it really counts, you act like you have no power to do anything but ask nicely. It's like, are you f kidding me? Grow some f <laughs> I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I don't know. I, 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 can't, I can't shout loud enough. I, I'm so used to biting my tongue, if you can believe that, that I, I don't know how to unbite my tongue. Because if I shout as loud as I want to shout, my lungs will come out of my mouth. It's, it's literally Planet of the Apes, this whole ridiculous madhouse that we're in. I just feel like I woke up mm -hmm. and everyone has been body snatched and nobody's Damn got a fucking you. brain. <laughs> Damn, Damn you, dirty you the hell. <laughs> yeah. You blew it up! End of Planet of the Apes. Is that what he says? You blew it up? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. You never finished that line. And I was like, 
I always kept thinking, get your hands off me, you damn dirty no. ape. <laughs> oh, it's at the end. Oh, okay. He's yelling at humanity at the end. Right, he's pounding the sand. Damn you, damn you all to hell, you blew it up. And he's on his knees pounding the sand, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the director told him to go pound sand and he took it literally. <laughs> I'll tell you, did you see that in the theater? What an experience, seeing that opening week in the theater. Yeah, no kidding. Like the whole family saw it, and <laughs> we just were blown away. Oh, I certainly my family certainly didn't attend with me, but but uh, I did it? see yeah, it when it came out. Yeah, my greatest experience in a theater had to be 2001: A Space Odyssey, second only to Blade Runner. I mean, Blade <laughs> Runner is second right. to 2001 <clears throat> because 2001 was a religious experience. And uh, I, the reason I brought it up is because I do want to talk about the monoliths that are occurring everywhere. <laughs> right. And how, how silly it is in a way. And, you know, obviously they're man-made. They've got rivets in them, and they've been welded. And they're, you know, it's right. just... No, nobody said we cut a piece off of it, and it's an unknown material or anything like right. that. Right. I mean, and they, they <laughs> yeah. dis, the people that are dismantling, you can see them on the ground. They're, they've got, like... Looks like plywood inside of them, you know. It's like it's some cheap. It seems like prop. a Banksy thing. I would want to give him more credit. It is like a Banksy well, thing. I, yeah. I mean, it's there's a budget behind this because yeah. right <laughs> to be able to do it. Right. And I, uh, supposedly it was first spotted by a helicopter pilot. So I don't know if that was set up for somebody to see it or. If they just set it up and wait, you know, waited, you know, a week or two for somebody to finally spot it. No, it's been uh, <laughs> and it then was, secretly it's, moved it. It's been there no. for years. It's been there since 2015. They they figured using Google Earth. Okay. You, you can go back in time in Google Earth, and so they. Okay. You pick a spot. Spotted and you it. can Yeah, it it disappears in 2015. They can't. You go back before that, and it disappears. So it. It was there for five years before it got spotted? Apparently, okay. yeah. I mean, I haven't that's personally... A, that's a big time commitment. Yeah. <laughs> but what I think happened is the guy that... The artist that they think they, you know, would have normally been responsible for this, who's now dead. I think he's been dead since 2011. I, I can't think of his name, but they thought it would normally be something that he would do. <clears throat> I'm thinking it's it's a project that you he made. Like Christo? Christo? I, I don't think it's Christo. No, it's another okay. guy. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Christo does a lot of cloth, right, and stuff like that. Uh, this he guy, died too, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. This guy does things more along this lines, and I think it might be it's more like a legacy thing where he, like, hired people in the future and said, this is on this day I want you to, uh -huh. to erect these things around, right, right. you know, in different areas. So there's been one in California, there's been one in, what, Norway or something, and then there's been one, the original one, in, uh, in Utah. So there's been three so far. And oh. the third one, the next sure. morning, it was torn down by religious fanatics, um, went up there and said, aliens are not better than God. I mean, leave it to religious zealots to create their own conflict and drama and become violent vigilantes against some imagined foe. So they went up there and tore down this art piece, and I think they put up a cross. 
The one in Utah? Somewhere in California. Not the one in the desert? No. That one was torn down too, but this one was up on a mountaintop. Was it the same design? Yeah, pretty much. So they just, they made multiple versions of it in different spots. I'm thinking copycat because um, the one in Norway was was different. Somebody had uh, scoured the exterior of it with a grinder, so it's got all these loop-de-loops all over the, you know, like they mm-hmm, do on the mm-hmm. bathroom stalls sometimes. Mm-hmm. So obviously man-made, and they showed how it had been welded. You know, they've been riveted together or screwed together or something. So I'm like, this is bogus, man. If you're going to do something like that, Make a nice, clean art project out of it. You know, make it look unearthly. Don't leave mankind's traces behind. Oh, so you think and it's a half-assed job? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, they're easily destroyed, that's for sure, because those guys hiked in and tore the first one down in Utah, right. and they did it under the guise of protecting the environment. And I'm like... God, you know, can't you figure out some other way to protect the environment than destroying an art installation? I know I've had my artwork vandalized while on public display, and it just seems so senseless. Well, to be to be devil's advocate for a second, if this becomes like a travel spot, maybe that's what they were worried oh, about. Oh, you know what? You're right. Becoming that's, like it, it, it you know, was. like Jim Morrison's grave in Paris or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> People are like. Uh, too many people going to the spot. The right, party, and you know that's that was the reason they gave, and, I, and it is a legitimate uh, reason. So I, I I pretty much take that back. But it seems like there'd be some other way they could control that bullshit. I mean, it, that's right. That's just humans being scum, you know, leaving trash and tromping all over the protected lands and things, just being total dicks. I mean, maybe there's no such thing as having a natural piece of art. The thing is, how do do you maintain law and order? If you let that kind of thing stand, how do you maintain law and order? Is that your Peter Graves? (laughs) I'm working into it. Okay. (laughs) On that note, can we take a break? Sure. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Zen has found yet another worm in his water, so... We'll be right back after this. Hello, I'm not Peter Graves. Hey kids, do you like animal armpits? Uh, wait, what is this about again? Just read the lines, Peter. Well, I can't just say kids like animal armpits. Maybe I can lead into it a little. God, sure Peter, whatever you want, you're the star. Hello, I'm not Peter Graves. Do you like animal armpits? Cut, take three. Sorry, okay. Hello, I'm not Peter Graves. Do you like animals? Do you like animal armpits? You know the giant ground sloth had the stinkiest armpits of all the great prehistoric animals. You can smell these armpits and more at the La Brea Armpits Museum. Closed indefinitely due to COVID. Yikes. That doesn't sound good. Do I have to say that part? Okay, cut, that's a wrap. And now, another Christmas decorating tip from Melania. This is Melania, darling. This year I decorate for fucking Christmas with exclusive blood trees made of lacquered human nervous system, darling. 
So many cult members were happy to give their lives and bodies for this exclusive ritual sacrifice opportunity. Remember, you can't just paint the lacquer on the top. You have to inject inside the nerves to preserve the exclusive blood red color. I love the smell of polyurethane on Christmas morning. Beautiful, Darren. Oh, uh, Kim, I, I have a guess. I have a guess as to what Trump's singing in his head for Christmas. What he's singing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What? What is it? Why am I such a misfit? <laughs> I am not just a net wit. You can't fire me. I quit. Seems. I don't fit in. Yeah, baby, let's hope he quits. Did you know in the book, uh, the monolith, when the apes are um, touching it, they're seeing symbols and stuff? No. L lighting up on the on the sides of it. <gasps> oh, <laughs> you didn't know that. <laughs> no. I didn't I know think there was... it was. You know, I'm not sure about the timeline, but um, they wrote the script together. So I think the novelization was sort of an afterthought. Okay. In other words, um, the movie is, was, was already being filmed, and uh -huh. Arthur C. Clarke was, like, adding extra stuff uh -huh. <laughs> that wasn't in the script, you know? Okay. So I think that this, yeah, it seems like they would have should have done it if, if that was written during Kubrick's work on it. But, well, they, um, yeah, they're seeing symbols and stuff. Oh, well, that makes more They're sense. Teaching them things. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you get I that. know. I wish, they I wish we could have seen that. <laughs> you get the idea there's some sort of internal communication yeah, going yeah, on. But, yeah. but um, <clears throat> it, it, it thrills me to hear that because, uh, you know, about Rindlesham Forest, the, the landing that occurred there outside our military base, RAF Woodbridge, you know, in England. No. Oh man, it's it's one of the best UFO landing stories. It's known as Britain's Roswell, and I'm sure I'll get a lot of it wrong, but I'll take a swipe at it. So during the Cold War, the U.S. had an Air Force base known as RAF Woodbridge in Suffolk, England, and right next to the base was an area called Rendlesham Forest. And one night, I think it was the day after Christmas, these lights were spotted coming down into the forest. And not knowing whether it was a downed aircraft or some sort of Russian reconnaissance, they had to send a, some troops out or a troop out to investigate. There, there were two, two sightings, I think. One were these red orbs that were going through the forest, dripping like a metallic, <clears throat> what looked like molten metal coming off the bottom of these red spheres that were kind of dodging around in the trees. Um, but I think it was the second night it happened again, and they sent another, I, I think they sent someone a little higher up than just the privates. One of them, I believe, was the base commander, Halt, and the other one was a guy named Penniston, and maybe a few other guys. And I'm probably going to get the two guys confused, but one of them went out there, and he had a, has a tape recorder, and they've actually played this tape recorder of him approaching going through the forest, and I think he's the one that saw these lights, but at some point they come upon this triangular-shaped craft that's, that's landed, and he goes up, and he said there's like the air, air was like static, 
they could feel this. It was the air was like thick mm. with static, and he's 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 um, dictating into this tape recorder as he approaches this thing. And at some point, one of these guys, Halter Peniston, goes right up to it and he puts his hand on this. He says it, it's warm, like the, the machine was warm. And it's not your standard isosceles triangle craft. This thing was looked more like a ship, and it was just kind of, it was pointed more like from his sketch. It looked like a hot rod, cool looking, you know? It was like, and there was a series of symbols on the side of the ship, and when he touched them, it, it, it kind of burned these messages into his mind. And he, later on, he's, he's writing all this shit down somehow in a notebook, and he sketches the symbols that are on the exterior of the ship. And one of them looks like one of the symbols I saw on the exterior of my ship in my dream. Right. Ship. Yeah. It's, it's almost identical. I, at least I know it means the same thing, which is... is the one with the ark? Oh, no, no. That, that was not a spaceship dream. That, the Ark was a completely different dream. This is, this one was uh, the symbols that told me to get in the triangular ship. Right, okay. And one mm -hmm. of them was human-shaped. One of the symbols, it looks like a figure of a human, <clears throat> but it's segmented. And <clears throat> one of his symbols is, is kind of done that way. A little different style, though. But you can tell it means human or, or being. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's human-shaped. And, uh, so I, that's one of the symbols he sketched that was on the side of the ship. But when he touched it, not only was it warm, it, it s sent these messages into his mind, and later he wrote it down. And it turned out it was – he had a series. I think it was several pages of, of zeros and ones. And it obviously it was binary code, and he didn't know what he was writing down. He just wrote it down. And – Years and years later, he had it deciphered, and I, there's there's a there's a quite a quite a message involved, and I don't know why I don't have it on the tip of tip of my tongue. I can't even recall what the message is, but it turned out it was binary code, and he'd written it down verbatim, like it was just burned into his mind. And this is you know page after page, mm. of zeros and ones, <clears throat> you know, so that's pretty hard to memorize. He had witnesses with him. He had other team members that were there. I in think the I heard about this before. So where, where was this and when was this? Uh, it's Rendlesham Forest in England. And uh, you just Google that. Um, I think it's R-E-N-D-E-L-S-H-E-M. Remember when this was? S-H-E-M or A-M. Roughly when it was? Uh, would be late 70s, very early 80s. Right. But uh, it's just so intriguing. Uh, the the, re, the re, you know, they, there's lots of interviews with both of these two military guys. There's, you know, I, I wish I could. I wish I had a better memory for it. But uh, when, it's, when it's you were talking about orbs, did you see the footage of um, little white orbs flying over the uh, wheat field in England as the crop circles form? Yeah, yeah, and I. I don't know if that's CG or not. Um, I don't know where that mm -hmm. footage came from, but it's the only footage I've seen of crop circles actually ap appearing to form. Right. Yeah. You know, it and it's 
it's believable. I mean, if it's, I mean, who knows if it's accurate or not or authentic or not. It's odd that no one has ever seen this happen, you know, that no one's ever seen ever seen a trace of this other than that that video and that's the only thing that makes me think is it real because okay. um, it's almost like they're so careful to make sure that no one sees it that it's it would be odd if someone did see it you know but very, very exciting could story. be fake that's what you're saying yeah yeah it could be uh I'm not sure if it hasn't been seen, but uh, yeah, we'll have to look into that. Oh, right, like a live sighting? Or, or the person who filmed that is, is like forward, like identifiable. <laughs> if, if you zoom in, you can see those guys with the boards underneath, like stomping out the... <laughs> <laughs> that is such so ridiculous. That's something that frustrates me too. Like, <laughs> to think these... Two morons are going to create these magnificent. I mean, I mean, I'm a designer by trade. I know how difficult well, it is to create something yeah, 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 that yeah. beautiful and that precise and that organized and intelligent. You can tell that some of these could not have been designed or executed by some country bumpkins. You know, there's a documentary by Colin Andrews. Who's the guy who looks like um, Eric Idle? Right. Yeah, you've mentioned and he's him. A, he's a crop circle uh, researcher guy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's a guy that's interviewed in that an old scientist guy. It's like, um, it's it's clear that these some of these symbols come from a prodigious intelligence. <laughs> and someone else says, uh, we've we've taken some of these and turned them into circuits, and they do things. <laughs> so, if there's actual like. Um, advanced scientific clues in these that it's think, not being man-made <laughs> you know <laughs> well I mean if, we do if we there's do like new technology that's like we do create circuitry so. in these things what's that it's not coming from us no <laughs> well I, like I say we do create circuitry and we if 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 I was gonna make a crop circle and I wanted it to be mysterious I would probably you know, dig up some circuitry info and... Well, you know, you know, I think, yeah. Well, you you can at least tell that there's some advanced visual and mathematical concepts going on inside these things. But I, I there's just no way to fake these. Um, uh, you can't, you cannot do, like we mentioned the exploded nodes and all that shit. We would have to be so advanced to create these things that we ourselves would be aliens as far as advanced technology goes. I'm talking beyond the physical manifestation of how crazy it is to make this in three hours to darkness and the exploded nodes. Right. <laughs> and also saying beyond that, there's like secret technology. Yeah. That's like being explained in this. Have you seen the one where there are the discs, the gold, silver, and bronze discs? were dug up that matched the crop circle. Like, that's one of the other coolest ones. I don't ones. think so. Oh, my God, you got to look that up, too. I've got such a bad memory. I, it's almost like every time I watch it, I'm watching it for the first time. Yeah. I just know these things exist, so I have to review them. But um, basically what I described, there, there, a crop circle appeared. Let's say it's a triangle, 
basically with three circles, one on each corner, you know, like a regular triangular craft or something. I think in, in each point of the crop circle, they dug up underneath each of the corners of this triangle, they dug up these three plates that were, there was a gold one, a silver one, and a bronze, a bronze one, I believe. On the discs that they dug up out of the ground was, was the same symbol that was the crop circle. So it's just totally weird parallelisms and hmm. the binary code that's embedded in them and the circuitry you're talking about and the three-dimensional cross-sections of... of uh, uh, Taurus? Tauruses, yeah. The donut energy pattern. Right, right. That looks similar to the magnetic field of the Earth. Right. Remember... Picture what? a donut that's full <laughs> of spirals. Remember when I, it was years ago when I said I was thinking one night, what would time look like? And and I drew a donut and I went that that's such an odd shape for time because I was thinking it would time is circular in one direction and then you take that circle and you make another circle out of that circle and it creates a donut. Mm. And so I was like that that just seems really odd. I mean, it's kind of stupid, but I remember mentioning it to you. And then, then I start seeing all this information on Tauruses and, you know, the, you start thinking about it. It's like, you know, the Van Allen radiation belt is, is shaped that way. And at the time I was envisioning my magnetic link to the earth. It was something I called a sombrero. Uh, this was back in my Don Juan days. <laughs> I love, I love the topic of um, what a map of time would look like, because I've thought about that before. It's I think all back theoretic. in the late 80s, I was, was writing a script where a character was like showing a hologram of a map of time, and I'm like, oh, it's like, okay, what would that look like? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it, like I say, it's, in my opinion, it, it's theoretical. It may have some physical qualities, but physic, physical qualities in themselves are theoretical. I think the entire universe is theory. It's it's basically consciousness, and which can be molded. You know, it's there's nothing. There nothing is solid. We know that already. And now it's almost like it seems like we're all embedded in some sort of code, which is based in some something's idea of w the way things should be. It's just it's a concept. Everything's conceptual. It's not. It's, it's like there's no real reality. You know, we talk about multiverses. I think perhaps every point in space could be a, 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 a universe, but from my opinion, it has to have a consciousness. Certainly, every living entity, including perhaps even individual cells, create their own perceptual universe, which is a concentric circle of perception around them. You have a concentric circle around you, and, you know, it fits the old Greek concept uh, of the dome over the sky with the stars attached to it, you know? Hmm. Uh -huh. We have time raining down on us. Every single person has a different time that's being rained down on them because I'm in a different position than you. You you can't physically be in my position or you'd be <clears throat> me. Uh, you know, I hold a, sp a place in space. Did, so, did you ever hear, I don't, I, I shouldn't even bring this up, but what? the Heisen, Heisenberg theory of the universe, which is that every time a, dis a major decision is made, the universe splits and goes both ways. 
Um, I could, yeah, I mean. So according to him, there's like so many. I don't know why it has to be a major decision. I mean, who makes that right. decision? Right, yeah. <laughs> who makes the decision on whether it's major It might or just not? be a decision, yeah. Um, I think we're just peeling off universes as we walk. Like, my, my concept of reality, even though it's theory, is uh, theoretic, a theoretical conscious universe. But to me, time and space is like if you got several flat screen TVs and just packed them together into a cube, you know, ev every pixel on that screen, if you could squeeze them together infinitesimally tight, um, you'd end up with a theoretical cube of potentiality. You know, each pixel in that cube has the potential to be on or off, either to be lit with consciousness or ignored and off in virtual non-existence. It's like a virtual solid-state cube made entirely out of potential. A virtual multi-dimensional holographic field of consciousness, perception, and what we call reality. Basically, we're, we're kind of bleed through time, because we, we're always moving. We're, nothing is ever in the same place. And that, to me, that motion through, through potentiality creates change, which is time. If anything stops, if anything ever stopped, it, time would stop for that item or that, you know, you'd say, well, my atoms are still moving. Right. So you haven't stopped in time because your atoms are still moving. But if you could freeze your atoms, you know, and you could freeze all the subatomic particles in somehow in a certain space, that would be a time lock. That would be a chronosynclastic infundibulum, you know, in itself, mm. you know, so you'd have to freeze that and you'd also have to isolate it in space the earth would be charging away from if it happened on earth the earth would then be charging away from that point because the earth is moving through space our whole solar system our whole universe is is moving constantly and it it's moving you know the universe is expanding nothing stays in the same place ever it, it's everything's moving Always, it's like a clock. It's like the inner workings of a clock, which is fitting because it represents time. To me, time is movement. It's change. You have to have change to have time. And, you know, it's, those two words are even interchangeable. You know, I could say, you know, you're not seeing time on a clock. You're seeing change. Well, the, the hand moved from there to there. That's a change. It's a movement. It's, you know... Time itself almost doesn't seem to exist. It's, it's just a field of potentiality that we're moving through, experiencing different perspectives of the same time. But I think even that is just an energy field, so it's really all conceptual. There's nothing real about any of it. We're basically the mind of God. You know, everything is the mind of what we'll say, you know, you could say it's the universe, but what if it's a multiverse? Then you've got... Multi, multiple universes, so all of that, everything conceptual that can be, all that field of potentiality is the mind of God, is how I'd refer to it. And for you to witness it, that's what it takes for it to exist, is just a witness to it. And, you know, that's what quantum physics is starting to point out, you know, that you need a, an observer for reality to take right, place. Right, right. Yeah. You know, uh, otherwise it doesn't exist. It, you know, to me, 
perception is creation. Well, scientifically, it seems like our perception of the universe grows the further we are able to look into it, like that deep hole thing, you know? I think, I think we're creating the universe as we, <laughs> we could be, it. yeah. That's, what I, that's my point, is it's not the other way around. We're not <laughs> witnessing a creation. We're creating by witnessing. It, mm. it doesn't exist until we see it. We're creating this shit. You know, if we if we went out into space, we'd have a field of creation around us. That's a that's some good metaphysical shit. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> oh, he would know. By now, he would know. That's our show for tonight, Christmas Eve, 2020. I want to thank everyone for listening. I hope you will check out the links in the podcast description for more on the Rendlesham Forest incident, which we will surely be discussing in further detail in future episodes. Be sure to stay tuned after the show for the Grey Matter Jukebox featuring the songs Like Clockwork and 3 to 2 from the album Slowly Going Nowhere by musical artist Bob Familiar. Keep your ears clear for an upcoming episode featuring an in-depth interview with Bob Familiar himself. But whatever you do... Don't stray too far because we may be crazy, but we may just be the lunatics you're looking for. Leave the lights on on the tree so Santa can see and have a Merry Christmas, everybody. Radio Hour is a satirical sci-fi comedy variety talk show. The opinions used in conspiracy theories expressed on the program are solely for entertainment purposes and should in no way be construed as fact. Listeners are urged to do their own research and draw their own conclusions on the topics discussed. All material copyright Global Pandemic Productions 2020. Closing music by the All Human Parts Orchestra. Available on both Bandcamp and SoundClick.com.